Hello, America. Welcome to Legal Anatomy of Current Events. I'm Gary Bell, along with Brad Pollack. Our law firm is Bell & Pollack. We're out of Denver, Colorado, and we're glad to bring you the show to you every week. We try to take the legal events and the legal news and the news in our country and break it down and give you the legal analysis of the current events and the current news in our country. You know, we try to give you the legal story inside the story. You hear all the stories on the news, but what do they really mean? What is the legal analysis? So that's why we created Legal Anatomy of Current Events, and that's why we do it for you. We try to anatomize your mind. What does that mean? Look, we're going to take the current events, the news in our country, and we're going to give you the breakdown. And this is not a political show. It's a non-biased show. It's a non-partisan show. But we cover very hot topics. At the end of the day, we want you to be able to understand our analysis, our legal analysis of the current events and the stories that, that occur in our country. And, you know, we've done shows on uh, very hot topics. We've done shows on the indictment, on Don Trump. What does it mean? You know, for example, you hear that Don Trump was indicted, but what's the indictment? What's the charge? How does he defend it? What's his best defense? What's the best prosecution of it? What's the best position for the prosecution? And that's what we do. Okay, today we're talking about ketamine. Ketamine on trial. Do you know what ketamine is? Is it a controlled substance? Is it in the news? Of course. There's the Elijah McLean trial going on in Adams County, Colorado. I'm going to call it Denver because it's, it's connected right to Denver and it's easier to say. So we're going to say Denver, but I mean Adams County, Colorado. That trial is going on right now. And it's going to go on for about another two or three weeks. And we're going to break it down for you. Because what does this involve? You say, oh, just another negligent homicide trial, Gary, Brad. Just another murder or manslaughter trial. Not necessarily so. Do you know that the reports from the courthouse on this Elijah McLean trial have indicated that up to the first four rows of the courtroom are filled with people like paramedics, police officers. This case is being watched all over the country, all over the United States. It's a precedent-setting case. Why? Because paramedics have been charged with criminal negligent homicide and or manslaughter and or assault with the use of a deadly weapon and that weapon is ketamine. Ketamine is like uh, uh, an anesthesiologist gives you. Ketamine is like a depressant, like a sedative. So, Elijah McClain, we're going to talk about this case, his death, what it means, and what it means in relationship to the George Floyd case that occurred in Minnesota. And you're going to say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, we're going to show you today. So, today on Legal Anatomy of Current Events, ketamine, manslaughter, homicide. Are you ready? Here we go. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. That's one small step for man. Ask not what your country can do for you. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. And you can see the two towers, a huge explosion now raining debris on all of us. Title IX, the landmark civil rights law. It marked a watershed moment for women's rights when it passed in 1972. And the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. 
Legal anatomy of current events. Preparing for launch. Legal anatomy of current events. Launch sequence started. T minus 10. Internal power green to go. LES ready for ignition. T minus 9. 8. 7. We have ignition. 5. 4. Commit for launch green. 3. 2. 1. We have liftoff. Legal anatomy of current events. All for you. Now on the air. All right. Welcome uh, back to the uh, Legal Anatomy of Current Events show. Gary Bell, Brad Pollack. Our law firm is Bell & Pollock. We're out of Denver, Colorado, and we bring the legal analysis to you of current events in this country. And today we're talking about ketamine on trial. It's a sedative. It's a powerful sedative. It is a controlled substance. It is a Schedule Three controlled substance. That's in the news. There's a trial right now trying two paramedics that are, went to the scene, and the police were already there. So I guess what? Let's all take a second and go back to August 24th, 2019. Elijah McClain, 140 pounds, black man, stops in a convenience store, picks up what he wants, leaves the store, starts walking, happy, listening to music. While he's listening to music, he's making all kinds of weird motions with his hands. He has a hat on. A mask on, outerwear on. He walks across the parking lot, dancing. Someone thinks he looks weird or suspicious. That someone calls 911. 911 alerts the police. The police come to the scene. Within eight seconds, the first police officer has his hands on Elijah McClain. And he keeps telling the police, I'm an introvert. I'm just listening to my music. And then there's body cams. And then there's some parts of the body cams that aren't there or turned on. And then he's placed on the ground. The EMTs are called. Here come the paramedics. They park, but there's so much commotion, they've got to park about a block away. So they go, to this, they go to the area. Elijah McClain is on the ground. The paramedics, Jeremy Cooper, 49 years old. Peter Chichuniak, 51 years old. As I said, paramedics all over the country are watching this trial. So then, each, each one of the paramedics has a certain duty. Chichenyak has the duty of safety and administration. Cooper has the duty of medical application, medical exam. On the video, Cooper leans over, places the needle in Elijah McLean's neck, gives him 500 milligrams of ketamine. They then say, let's just wait a minute and see what the reaction is, they waited a few seconds, put him on a stretcher, in the ambulance, off to the hospital. Elijah McLean dies. Dead. So, this whole thing was in 2019. And George Floyd's situation and murder convictions up in Minnesota weren't until 2020 and thereafter. 
So pretty much in 2019, there was an initial autopsy report in the Elijah McLean matter. The initial autopsy report, and you want to listen to this very carefully, the initial autopsy report came back and said the cause of death was inconclusive. And that was it. Pretty much done. Sorry for Elijah McLean. Then George Floyd happens in Minnesota. I'm not going to go through all those facts, but you know about them. How are they relevant here? Why are they relevant here, Gary, Brad? Why? Because once there was such an outrage, an outpouring, demands, demonstrations about George Floyd's death, and he can't breathe, the Attorney General of the State of Colorado wanted the Elijah McLean looked at again. So they convened a grand jury. So the grand jury indicted the three police officers there that night, one of which put a chokehold on Elijah McLean, but they, they were watching him. He said, I can't breathe. What did George Floyd say? I can't breathe. Then they call the paramedics. The paramedics come, and they stick a needle in Elijah McLean's neck, Give him 500 milligrams of ketamine, which I'll give you a little preview of that movie. 500 milligrams of, of ketamine, the very powerful sedative, is only appropriate for a man that weighs about 200 to 220 pounds. Elijah McLean weighed 140 pounds. Some anesthesiologists have already said that was way too much ketamine. He stopped breathing. And then you get the first initial autopsy report that says the cause of death is inconclusive. Wow. Then you have the indictment. And so the three police officers are indicted. They've already been to trial. Two of them uh, were acquitted. One of them was convicted. And now the paramedics are in trial in Denver. Actually, Adams County, Colorado, as I said earlier. But I'm going to call it Denver for this podcast. They're on trial for overdosing, among other things, too much ketamine. And so what are the protocols? What do they have to prove or show? Right? I mean, here's, here, here we have a man walking out of the convenience store across the parking lot, dancing at night, happy. The report says the first police officer goes hands-on within eight seconds. Puts him in a, a carotid hold. Really much cuts off his oxygen. He says, I can't breathe. Before the paramedics get there, he Elijah McLean vomited. Saying, I can't breathe, he vomited. So that was before the paramedics were there. Now the paramedics are on trial right now. Four, manslaughter, number one. Count two, criminally negligent homicide. I'm going to teach you what those are today. Count three, assault with a deadly weapon resulting in death. The deadly weapon is ketamine, the sedative. So is it a crime or not? Who was responsible? Who had what job? What was their training? What's the protocol? Here's what I want you to think about. 
if you're going to go get an injection, if you've been injured and the doctor's going to give you maybe like a transferaminal epidural steroid injection, they're going to do it in a facility. You're going to have anesthesia. You're going to have anesthesiologist. You're going to be monitored. Your heart's going to be monitored. Your breathing is going to be monitored. When you're laying on the ground with police officers restraining you, was there an examination? What if you have a pre-existing condition? What if you're allergic? What if you can't tolerate ketamine? What if you're given 500 milligrams of ketamine for a man that weighs 200 to 220 pounds and Elijah McLean weighs 140 pounds? Did the police tell the paramedics to give him ketamine? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Can the police tell the paramedics to give him ketamine? No. That's up to the paramedics. And they're supposed to do an exam. And they're supposed to make an evaluation. Listen, when you deal with ketamine, here's the rule. Take this one home and bank it. You sedate and you evaluate. You don't just sedate and say, oh, well, well we're good. Everything's good. You sedate and you evaluate. Listen. Think of it like this. If you were in a facility getting an injection and an anesthesiologist gave you an injection and was monitoring your what? Heart rate? That's evaluation. If they were monitoring your breathing, that's evaluation. If you stop breathing, there has to be a plan, a plan, a plan in effect to take effect to save your life. So when Elijah McClain's laying on the ground, is there such a plan? Was the protocol followed? Do all law enforcement agencies or EMTs give ketamine? I mean, in Tennessee, do they do it? Alabama, do they do it? New York, do they do it? I mean, ketamine might be the sedative of choice. So then there's a couple of buzzwords, right? You need to learn. Excitement. They call it excited delirium. So if you're a paramedic here on the scene and that somebody's got excited delirium, which they think only applies, mostly applies to black people, excited delirium. Well, if you got excited delirium, that gives me cause to give you ketamine. Now there's, there's counties in Colorado and across the country that don't let you use ketamine anymore. You can't use it. And you can't say it was excited delirium. Listen, the weight of a person makes makes all the difference in the world. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, would you give the same anesthetic and the same sedative to a baby that you would to a 300-pound man? Was there an evaluation of weight for Elijah McClain? Okay, now we're going to get to the part. Remember what I told you about the the original autopsy report? What did I say? Come on, wasn't that long ago. I said that the original autopsy report after Elijah McClain died and before George Floyd incident was that the cause of death of Elijah McClain was inconclusive. Then you got George Floyd. Then you got the Attorney General of the State of Colorado forming a grand jury. Then you got the indictment of the police officers. And then you have the indictment of the two paramedics. Now, 
there was an amended, listen to that word, grab onto that word real carefully. There was an amended autopsy report. Think about that. Now, they're at trial to try to send them to prison on an amended autopsy report. And at the end of this show, I'm going to give you an example of how lawyers would cross-examine anybody on an amended autopsy report. I'm going to kind of show you that. But what does the amended autopsy reports show in the Elijah McLean trial? What does it say? Well, it says that the cause of death is no longer inconclusive. The cause of death was ketamine following basically physical restraint. That's, that's now the amended autopsy report. That's what's being used in trial right now against the paramedics. Okay, so now we're in a criminal trial. Understand the burden of proof. Remember, we all see it on TV. It's called beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's how most defense lawyers attack the case at the end of the case. I'm going to give you an example right now. The defense lawyers would stand up and say, they have to prove, the prosecution has to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. And so if you have any doubt on any one of the elements in this case, any doubt, then you must acquit. They have the burden of proof. We don't. They have to prove the case. We don't. That's the law. That's the United States Constitution. That's American justice in action. And if you have any doubt, so if you have any doubt, maybe you have doubt about the amended autopsy report. Maybe you have doubt about that. Maybe you have doubt about the proof of the protocols and the compliance with the protocols to administer ketamine. Maybe you have doubt, think about this, that what really killed Elijah McClain was the police restraints and he's vomiting and he says, I can't breathe before they ever introduced or, or injected him with ketamine. So that's how the closing argument goes with, with the burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt, right? 500 milligrams. What's the prosecution going to say? They're going to say they didn't follow the protocol. They didn't follow any protocol. They just showed up on the scene and stuck a needle in his neck and gave him 500 milligrams of ketamine, much more than you would for a 140-pound man, and then he stopped breathing. Well, guess what? That's what ketamine does if, you, if it's overdosed. That's what you have anesthesiologists for monitoring you. That's what you do to monitor heart rates. That's what you do to monitor respiratory rates, or if you're even breathing at all. That's what you do. What was the plan? The prosecution said would say they have no plan. If it went south and it did, what was the plan? What was the plan by the police? What was the plan by the, the paramedics? Who was supposed to do what? Was there monitoring? What was it? Was there, and what was the exact time of death? Right after you put him in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, halfway to the hospital, all the way to the hospital, So, we're giving you the legal analysis of the Elijah McLean case. We're giving you a prosecution viewpoint. We're giving you the defense viewpoint. But think of it like this. And there's a real fine line here. And that's what we're going to teach you. That's what we do on these shows. We teach you. We give you legal education. We give a legal analysis so you can make up your own mind. 
Well, you're probably thinking right now, well, what is this jury going to do? Okay, let's look at the charges, right? First charge. First charge, manslaughter. Well, what do you have to do to be guilty of manslaughter? You have to engage in reckless acts with a conscious disregard for the event or the risks or the outcome. I'm going to give you an example. Manslaughter. And think, drunk driver, drunk driver crossing the middle, middle line, going into the other lane, causing a head-on collision and killing the driver or family in the other car. That's many times classified as manslaughter. That's reckless. That's with a conscious disregard of the known risks. You're going to drink. You're going to lose your perception. You're going to lose your reaction time. You're going to lose your judgment. You're going to lose control. You're going to cross the center line. And you're going to wipe out a whole family and kill them all. So take that example and go to the Elijah McLean trial. First count is manslaughter. So they have to prove he, one of the paramedics, engaged in reckless acts with a conscious disregard of the risks and consequences. Well, I've given you some of the facts already. Was it reckless to give him 500 milligrams of ketamine for his weight? There have been some experts that say yes. Should have never been done. Was it reckless if they didn't have a plan? I don't know if they had a plan or not. I researched it, but I couldn't figure it out. But if they don't have a, a plan, if things go south when we administer the ketamine, is that reckless? Let's assume they didn't have a plan. Is that reckless? Let's say you don't have a plan for a cardiac arrest. Is that reckless? If you don't have a plan for respiratory failure, is that reckless? Is that manslaughter? What's the protocol? I'm telling you what, think about this, folks. You go to your doctor, and the doctor says, well, I'm going to inject you with some ketamine or some steroids. Do you, do, you, do you think there should be an examination first? Do you think you'd want the doctor to examine you? Well, on the scene, on the ground, with Elijah McClain, did anybody examine him? And in an examination, what do you do? You see what the symptoms are. You see what's happening. You see what the, what the allergies are. You see what the history is. You see what the medical condition is. You see what the pre-existing medical condition is. Did he have a heart problem before? You don't ask those questions. Stuck the neck, needle in his neck is the way I read it. So that's count one. What's count two? Count two is criminally negligent homicide. And in a minute, when I explain this to you, and I'm going to, you're going to say, well, you know, Gary and Brad, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. I don't, there's such a fine line. Underscore those words. Fine line. Underscore those words. Count two. Criminally negligent homicide. Well, what do you have to prove for that? We got two paramedics. They admit 500 grams of ketamine. They admit he stopped breathing. They admit he's dead. Criminally negligent homicide is not a reckless act. That's manslaughter. Criminally negligent homicide is failure to perceive a known risk and doing it anyway. 
failure to perceive. Wow, Gary, that's really, that's really a fine line. Sure is, isn't it? Yeah, I kind of agree with you. That's a fine line. Reckless disregard with a conscious disregard of the risks or a failure to perceive the risks. What would be a good example of criminally negligent homicide? I'll give you, I'll give you a couple. Think, leaving a loaded handgun on the chair over there, and you've got children running all around the room. Think, you leave the loaded gun, handgun on the chair and you leave the house. And one of the children pick up the gun and shoot it and kill somebody. Death. Well, that might be a conscious disregard. That might be reckless by itself, or it could be a failure to perceive the risk. Do you see? Sometimes that's why prosecutors charge counts that are pretty close to each other. In case the jury doesn't think it's reckless disregard, the jury might think it's a failure to perceive the risk, and they proceed it anyway, you see? So that's count one or two. You could apply that same count to drunk driving. But drug driving basically is a known risk. It really is a conscious disregard. And then killing somebody. What's count three? There's three types of assault in Colorado, and that's where they're being charged, Colorado, with a deadly weapon. The deadly weapon is ketamine. So, was were they assaulted? Well, that count might be a lesser type of offense. Still serious consequences, but a lesser type of offense. So you see what the prosecution has done? And the indictment was, number one, number one was manslaughter. And if you can't prove that, we're going to drop down the menu to criminally negligent homicide. And if you can't prove that, we're going to drop down the menu to assault with a deadly weapon, meaning ketamine. And think about this for a second. What if the paramedics say, we didn't kill Elijah McClain. When we got there, he was gasping for air, vomiting, throwing up saying I can't breathe, you say he died of, resp died of respiratory failure? Well, he was already that way when we got there. But do you see the twist? If he was already that way, then wasn't he pretty much already sedated? Wasn't he pretty much already under control? I mean, you're throwing up, vomiting, you can't breathe, you're not really running the 100-yard dash anymore. So then the legal question would be, and the lawyer's question would be, well, why would you give him... 500 milligrams of ketamine. If if you now say in trial that the police already had him subdued, then you have the changed amended autopsy report. And if I had that coroner on the stand in a criminal trial, here's how it kind of would look like. Mr. Coroner, you did this first, first autopsy on this date, correct? And this is what you found. It was inconclusive, right? Yes. And therefore, you couldn't come to a conclusion, could you? No. So not coming to a conclusion, you can prove what the cause of death was. No. And you put that in writing, right? And that's your medical determination, correct? And that's based on all your education, clinical training, and judgment, correct? Yes. You said inconclusive, right? Yes. And you signed off on it, correct? Yes. And then the indictment comes. And then you work for the state. And the state has charged these counts. And so then you say the cause of death was ketamine, or basically the ketamine-following restraints, basically. 
Yes. So you never said that to begin with. No. If you if you that's what you would have thought you would have said it to begin with. Correct. But you didn't. No, I didn't. You just changed. Correct. And you changed it, sir. You changed it to match the theory of the prosecution in this case. Correct. Because if you got on the stand right now, Mr. Coroner, and said, well, it was still inconclusive, I can't tell you what the cause of death would, then there would be no murder or manslaughter trial, would there? Something like that. Got it? Okay. Was it necessary to give the injection of ketamine? Did he have a heart condition? Did he have pre-existing lung conditions? Hey, listen, did Elijah McClain that night have a pre-existing lung condition caused by the police? Putting him in a carotid hole, cutting off the oxygen to his brain, making him vomit. Right? All right, so this trial is going to go on for another two weeks, three weeks. Uh, talk about failure to do exam. Uh, the defense is going to say there was no intent. It was just a mistake. They didn't intend to harm anybody. They certainly didn't intend to cause death. It was absolutely necessary. It was excited delirium. The man was excited. He was delirious. All right, so when the trial ends, it's going to be a verdict one way or the other, not guilty or guilty, right? Maybe not guilty on the higher offense and guilty on the lesser included offenses, which I explained to you. But there's going to be a verdict. Now let's just talk about the appeal. Because maybe you're going to appeal this. Maybe it's going to be appealed. If, they, if they're found guilty, it probably will be appealed. And, and what I'm about to say could apply to any of any appeal. It could apply to Don Trump's appeals. Think about that. It could apply to that, uh, that decision in Colorado by Judge Wallace in Denver District Court about the 14th Amendment, Section 3 where she said there was an insurrection, finding a fact, but as a matter of law, it didn't apply to Donald Trump. I want you to learn something right now, okay? Right now. Every appeal, Donald Trump's appeal, Elijah McClain appeal, every appeal involves two basic questions, two basic sides of the story. One side, now listen very carefully. One side, what were the facts? The other side is what's the law? Did they prove the law? Did they prove the statute? So when the Court of Appeals is looking at a trial, they have to look at the facts. What were the determination of the facts? Are there conflicting facts? Was somebody somebody lying? Somebody telling the truth? What are the facts? So do we accept those facts as the Court of Appeals? Do we accept them? Do we accept 500 milligrams of ketamine? Do we accept he stopped breathing only after he got in the ambulance? Do we accept those facts? Is there any way those facts are attackable? Facts. What are the facts of Elijah McClain's death? How can they be attacked or not attacked? So that's on the left hand. On the right hand, what's the law? Well, the law was, I told you, manslaughter, criminally negligent homicide, and assault. So the Court of Appeals would look at the facts Right? The facts to see if the law, the statute, fits. Were there enough facts in the trial to fit into manslaughter? 
And if the Court of Appeals said the jury convicted the two paramedics of manslaughter, however, we don't think those facts under that statute fit. They don't work together. Therefore, we're going to reverse. See how it works? You you, you take the same thing with Don Trump's trial on the 14th Amendment in Denver. The judge said the facts were, the facts were he engaged in an insurrection. But as a matter of law, the law was that the 14th Amendment doesn't apply. So can you attack the facts? Or do you attack the law? Or do you both of them? There's an old legal adage I learned in my first year of law school uh, by a professor, and it went something like this. If you go in front of a court and you don't have the facts in your favor, then then argue the law and attack the law. If you go in front of a court and you don't have the law in your favor, then argue the facts. And if you go in front of a court and you don't have the facts in your favor or the law in your favor, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be there. Right? Okay. Gary Bell, Brad Pollock, you're listening to Legal Anatomy of Current Events. Every week we try to bring you news in our country and give you the legal story inside the story. We're going to continue to follow the Elijah McClain trial, and if something develops that we need to bring to your attention, we will. We always call those events sidebar. We do the show, then later something happens. We have a sidebar podcast, and we bring you up to date on the sidebar, and we're glad to do it. So we're going to be following the Elijah McClain trial everybody's watching it every paramedic in america is watching this this trial how's it going to be it was almost like the first road rage uh it's almost like the one the first road rage case in america came out of arapahoe county colorado road rage resulting in death well they, they didn't charge the road rage person they don't want they didn't charge the road rage person with manslaughter I just explained manslaughter to you. They charged him with murder one. Think about that. And they got a conviction. You know, an interesting question before we wrap it all up is, is in that situation with Elijah McClain, would you want the paramedics hesitating? Would you want them to slow down? Is something bad going to happen if they slow down? Well, we, we all weren't there. But that's going to be developed by the facts of the case, right? All right. Well, I know there's going to be more developments. We're going to follow up with you on a sidebar later. But this is Gary Bell and Brad Pollock. Our law firm is Bell and Pollock. Our show is Legal Anatomy of Current Events. We love having you here. Thank you so much for being one of our listeners. And if you want to contact us, you can contact us at legalinfo at legalanatomy.net. That's info at legalanatomy.net. Now, usually Brad Pollock is here to give you the American idiom of the day, but I'm filling in for him today, so I'm going to give you the American idiom and the quote. And I think our, I think I found a way Brad does these ingenious American idioms. So today the American idiom is, is justice is blind. That's the idiom, justice is blind. And what does that mean? That means it shouldn't look for favoring one side or the other just because they're who they are. Just because they're uh, a paramedic, just because they're a police officer, just because they're Donald Trump, a former, former president. Justice is blind. What are the facts and what's the law? Right? Period. And the quote of the day, I usually do the quote, and I've, I've got one today for you. It's um, by Tallulah Bankhead. I loved it when I read it. 
And the quote of the day is, if I had to live my life again, I'd make the same mistakes I did only sooner. Right? Only sooner. So, all right, Gary Bell, Brad Pollock, our law firm is Bell & Pollock. You're listening to Legal Anatomy of Current Events, and guess what? We will see you next week.